On this episode of AV Week, we take a look at the rebirth of Digital Science Expo. DSE is coming back in 2022. Windows 11 has built-in teams, and Crestron's Randy Klein announces his retirement. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 516, recorded Friday, July 9th, 2021. Crestron Succession. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Chief the global leader in commercial AV mounting solutions, and by FSR. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, and we have a couple of doozies. So, first and foremost, Gladys Marquin from Newcomb and Boyd. Welcome, ma'am. Hey, how's it going, Tim? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, a gentleman who is, if you're familiar with the St. Louis area, I'm on the Illinois side. This guy is just right across the river in technically St. Louis. Todd McCandless from Barco. Welcome, sir. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, and a gentleman who is on the, the Map of the Stars tour that we'll be doing during Infocom 2021, uh, Mr. Bradford Ben, who is technically a resident of the Orlando area. So how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Survived Elsa, except for one piece of electronics, which shall remain nameless. All right. Well, I'm glad you survived and, and all the uh, all the equipment and everything. So um, first story comes to us, and, and quite frankly, this doesn't happen very often, but this landed uh, on our desk at about 11 o'clock uh, Central Time this morning. Crestron's Randy Klein has announced his retirement. Uh, Mr. Klein is currently the president and CEO. Uh, he took over those reins at uh, eight years ago when uh, George Feldstein uh, passed away. But Randy has been with the company for over 30 years. Um, current chairman and COO uh, Dan Feldstein will be taking over uh, those of the president and CEO position. Klein, say, Klein says, later this fall, I will be retiring from this wonderful company that has been my home and second family for more than 30 years. As president and CEO, I make a lot of decisions every day. This was one of the most difficult decisions I have ever made. Bradford, we're going to start with you. You've been around um, uh, enough times when you've seen founders and, and um, presidents uh, exit. Uh, this is not insignificant. And I don't say that Crestron is, is a sponsor of Aviation. I'm not saying that because of that. But Randy Klein has been in this industry and around this industry for over 30 years. He's been the head and, and, and part, of, part of the leadership of Crestron most of that time. So I would say that he has a significant you know, impact on this industry and obviously on, on Crestron. What does this mean? What does this do to the industry and where do we head from here? So I think it's a little bit of a wake up call. Uh, you know, it sounds funny. I remember when Randy started. Uh, yes, I'm that old, but it's now starting to be where this next generation is starting to phase out and or the the generation I'm in is starting to phase out and go, it's time to go do something fun. Uh, and here comes the next generation and succession planning. Now, in this case, I think it's a rather easy succession because Dan, who's taking over, has been at Crestron and in the industry for 25 years. So it's not exactly someone new to the industry coming in. Whereas we've seen companies bring in someone from a totally different electronics company 
or from the retail side to come and do professional and seeing the problems. But I think this is a milestone, like you said, because it's 30 years, but also because it kind of starts to show there's going to be a changing of the guard uh, that's going to happen over the next 10 years. And I think this is just the first of many that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's well, it's well planned. I actually think the way he set it up is very good. Uh, my hunch is the retirement's going to take effect sometime in November, right around Thanksgiving, after there's a goodbye speech at Infocom, which I think is is a wise thing. Uh, company is going to continue. It has a certain amount of its own momentum. Randy's definitely put a certain personality on it, but you know Dan's been there with them, and so I think there's going to be a lot of continuity. But I do think this starts to show people are aging out or retiring out or deciding to do something more fun. And I think that's the big change because there's a lot of experience that will be leaving the industry in the next 10 years. And yes, the industry has changed. Digital versus analog, IP versus RS-232. We can talk about all those things, but that basic point loud side at people, put put loud talker in, in front end of microphone, put video on in front of people you know those things all still stay and that experience and knowledge is still a a key part of this and i think that's kind of the big thing that this retirement kind of points out to me is just yeah. we're starting to get there all right gladys when it comes to you know some of the things that bradford was talking about there when it comes to you know the the, the industry is changing and, and we're evolving but one of the things that that people have talked about when it comes to succession planning is is kind of mining the the knowledge, mining the wisdom, mining uh, these folks before they age out, right? Before they they leave uh, the stage. As a young person, and and, and Gladys was part of the the SCNs, the nine. Uh, so when you start looking at at this, how how would you go be best go? Whether you are somebody who's just entering the industry, somebody's mid midway, or you know towards the end, how do we share this knowledge? How do we make sure that this tribal knowledge stays around? Right. I mean, it was a little surprising that Bradford just kind of admitted, wow, we're phasing out. Like, that's kind of, it was interesting the way he put it to me, right? But I do think that's, I mean, that's a good point. We're starting to see kind of, you know, for the longest time, the AV industry has kind of been a little on the older side. I mean, I hesitate to say that, but <laughs> a little on the older but side. I'll, I'll, no, no, exactly. I'll, I'll say Absolutely. it. I, right, yeah. yeah so. You know, he's right. I mean, you're seeing newer faces and younger faces, which is great. Um, and at the same time, we do, I believe we need to be intentional about how we're training or just kind of how we're mentoring the, I guess, next generation of AV professionals. I think that's a good point. Um, but I also hope on the Crestron side that they continue to innovate how, how they have been. I mean, you know, he's been there for 30 years. That's longer than I've lived. So <laughs> I'm not totally familiar with the more legacy products, but I mean, you know, DM, NVX, all of those newer transmission technologies. I mean, I've, I use them every day. So, and I specify them every day. So it'll be interesting. I hope that they continue to kind of take this innovative approach to AV. And at the same time, I hope that they're able to kind of bring on younger faces. And like you said, just, yeah, let's mine that that um, knowledge and let's make sure that we're continuing that path. 
Todd, take this from a couple different uh, spots. Uh, I, I've known Todd for a, long, a lot of years, so I can I, I know kind of where he comes from. Currently, he works for a manufacturer, but he's also been uh, in integration. So, and you were a, a Crestron dealer here in St. Louis at one point. So, take a look at it from both sides, right? You know, obviously a fellow manufacturer now, but also you know years ago when you were an integrator. What does this mean uh, to the industry? Um, uh, you know, the, this pat, you know, the, this you know, kind of the ending of this chapter uh, for Crestron, but also for AV. Um, it, Tim, it's a great point. I, I've seen both sides of this. Uh, certainly, as a when I owned a, a systems integration company, I was a Crestron dealer, a terrific company, uh, lots of support, and Randy always was, and, and George uh, mainly, both uh, a real driving force and and uh, the the direction of that company. And then uh, when George tragically passed away, Randy took the helm and and uh, did a great job of keeping that going forward. So it's a, a big change for Crestron. Uh, with my manufacturer hat on, I can tell you that, you know, sometimes those changes, they are daunting when you lose, lose a, a key member uh, that's been there for a long time. Uh, at Barco, we recently had some changes in North America uh, leadership structure from the from the president on down. And, uh, and I have to say that uh, sometimes what you do lose in that sort of uh, tribal uh, understanding of having that legacy wisdom of 30 years uh, that just instantly recalls those details that you need uh, to go forward. Uh, sometimes that new energy, that new look uh, can be exciting. And uh, having the new ownership come in and saying, hey, how did we get here from selling $0 in collaboration to selling this much in ClickShare, right? And how do we do that? And uh, how do we make that better? So I think there's a a real opportunity, certainly for Crestron. They're a well-established, great company, great product, um, and certainly I don't, I don't think uh, they'll miss a beat. They've got terrific people there, and at the end of the day, uh, Randy certainly is leading those people and leading the direction. But it really is all of those people collectively that are innovating, taking care of customers, being customer-centric. That's certainly how it is here at Barco, and uh, uh, I don't think they'll miss a beat. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's 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 interesting to note that by by the first of twenty two, the the executive team at 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 Crestron, you know, obviously President CEO Dan is is he's currently or, or is, has been the COO, so not entirely, but but that in, in executive um, arm is going to look vastly different than it did ten years ago. Uh, Fred Bargetsy passed away not too long ago, but a year and a half ago, the current uh, the, the former uh, CTO, so he you know they've got a new CTO in there, great guy. Uh, a new um, marketing uh, team as well. So yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to watch them over the next couple of years. So uh, next story actually comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. And we're gonna talk about Microsoft for a second. Uh, it sounds kind of weird to say, but they announced Windows 11 uh, with a number of updates that were launched. Users will be able to launch Teams actions straight from Windows, uh, the Windows 11 toolbar. Teams will be quote unquote, deeply integrated into the Windows 11 environment. In addition, Windows 11 will now have the ability to run Android and iOS apps natively. Now, for me personally, that's the most interesting part because I, I want to see where they're going to go with that. But that's just really, really kind of interesting to me. The part, though, that, 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 that impacts uh, AV users here is this whole Teams being deeply integrated into Windows. It smells, unfortunately, and, and I am with Bradford of a certain age, very familiar to when Windows embedded Internet Explorer and they went after Net, Net, uh, Netscape. Uh, 
Gladys, I want to start with you on this as, as somebody who designs these systems. Having teams integrated into Windows 11 like this, how does this change designing a system? How does this change the system design? Sure, yeah, there's a few things that, well, first off, as a user, I'm kind of nervous that it's just going to be all entangled in my life. I'm going to be working all the time. <laughs> but as an AV designer and consultant, I'm thinking a lot of things. I mean, one thing that the article mentions is you can have multiple accounts connected to, you know, a conferencing unit. So I'm thinking overflow. I'm not only thinking that, I'm thinking viewing angles. There's a certain now layout that they're going to uh, incorporate in Teams 2.0 where they have you know, like the bottom row is tiled, just participants, and the top is yep. content. So that's a consideration I have to make, you know, when doing all the heights and such, you know, things like that. But at the same time, at the back end of things, right, I'm a little nervous. Because <laughs> usually with big rollouts like these, um, especially, you know, going back to Crestron, they kind of, they have the flex systems, right, which kind of, they integrate teams just natively. Users now are loving it. I mean, that's a very popular um, solution nowadays. So to me, <laughs> I'm actually pretty nervous about the Windows 11 rollout and how that's going to affect the Crestron back end, back end of things. Um, but we're going to keep an eye out. We're going to try our best to, uh, you know, work out any kinks. I've already started or trying to start some conversations with Crestron themselves and see, you know, like, are you guys on top of this, on top of this new rollout? Uh, how will that affect our systems and how will that affect users? So, I'm trying to stay on top of it as much as possible, but yeah, I'm a little nervous, not going to lie. <laughs> well, what Todd Gladys makes a good point is there's a lot of folks that are that are Teams certified. There's also folks that are Zoom certified and, and, and Google um, Meet certified. You know, talk for a second about those partnerships and the, the benefits, right, from a manufacturing standpoint, certainly to having these partnerships, especially with, with some of the bigger tech firms, but also some of the, the drawbacks, like when they roll out something big like this, you guys have got to be, from a manufacturing standpoint, you guys have got to be in there well ahead of the game, well ahead of this rollout, working on, you know, some of the firmware uh, that you guys have to do to make sure that that's maintained. Yeah, that's exactly right, Tim. For us, uh, you know, the good news is I'm happy to tell you that we have a phalanx of brilliant men and women back in Kortrick in the R&D uh, side for our click sharing collaboration devices and the evolution of that. One of the things we did last year, and unfortunately, right at the beginning of COVID, we came out with ClickShare Conference. And then on the post side of that we're really seeing this effort uh, to a hybrid uh, meeting experience and that and ClickShare plays into that. So working with uh, platforms like Zoom, Teams and others uh, makes it really handy for ClickShare uh, to really manage those applications, those platforms and make those meeting experiences, whether they're hybrid or all in person a better experience, but they do present a lot of challenges. So when you make these evolutionary steps with your platform, like in this case with Teams, and integrate that with Windows, Internally, selfishly, we use Teams. It's improved our uh, the efficacy of our work, our ability to communicate, uh, the ability to find and locate information quickly, uh, and to really collaborate over this past year really well internally. So I'm excited about being able to do more of that. And really, Tim, 
one of the other key elements is allowing us to work in a unified sort of way through ClickShare in these meetings with third-party manufacturers, people that we integrate with on projects. So for example, like a mounting company, uh, they're on teams as well. So it makes these conversations so easy for us to have and just share content from our LED tiles to their mounting structure, those kind of things. So that's all great, but it does present a challenge for ClickShare to make sure that we have the right drivers, the right firmware, the right uh, software to accommodate those evolutions in team and to make sure that we're ubiquitous that we work well with them. Yeah. Bradford, take a, a look at this from a, a, a user standpoint, an IT manager, a, a tech manager here. How is this going to change deployments? How is how is this integration going to change, you know, support when it comes to, you know, currently it's, well, you know, uh, you, you use a ClickShare, right? Or you use something else and suddenly you've got this, this system, that this thing that used to be a separate piece of software that is now just part of the OS. Well, how does that change the, the situation? So actually, I've been, I've been doing this for about six to seven months, just because when I started Advisist, I went into the Microsoft 365 environment, dove in, I then got the Teams uh, phone system hooked into it, grabbed it all together, and I'll be honest, it became transparent to me. Uh, it works great. Uh, you know, I click a phone number and Teams dials for me because it's my phone system. I can schedule a meeting and it sets up my Teams. I know Zoom does that with plugins as well as BlueJeans and Cisco and WebEx. And But what's nice about this is I don't leave anything. Now, in terms of ClickShare and those other ancillary devices, other than the drivers functioning, I don't really see a huge difference. To me, I think the largest difference is going to be whether or not there is a Teams appliance in conference rooms mm. that someone can connect to, uh, especially when you get the two-headed monsters or, like you know, you want content on one screen and the talking head on the other. Well, some pieces of software do that great. Other people's not so well. I will say that WebEx Teams with multi-monitors does it better than Zoom, in my opinion. But the fact it integrates so tightly with the rest of Office 365 and the rest of Microsoft products that are so ingrained with Outlook and SharePoint and OneDrive and Word and Excel, and I can list all sorts of things, makes it pretty incredible to me of just what this next step is. Now, I will say... You know, Tim, you and I were joking about Internet Explorer in there, but this is also exactly what Apple's done. Uh, if you look at Apple and you look at FaceTime on the iPhone, now it's FaceTime on the computer, and when your iPhone rings, it rings on your computer, it does all yep. of that. I can do the same thing with Microsoft, and it works great. Now, one of the things I know that Gladys was concerned about is the always-on and all of that stuff. The fact that I now have a Teams app on my phone instead of having my phone number out there is actually giving me more con more ability to disconnect easily because it shows on my phone it's coming through teams it's mm. you know nine o'clock and it's tim so i'm not answering it well actually no matter what time it is if it's tim i'm not answering it uh but you know it's it actually is a good integration and the fact that it's so simple for me, you know, I have Mac, I have Windows, I have Linux, I have Android, I have iOS, and I have Windows 10, 7, and 95. 
every operating system has its foibles. And I will say that 10 with Office 365 has been a great integration. The fact that SharePoint is transparent to me and Teams works with it is just click and done. I don't even have to think about how I'm scheduling my meetings and things. And there are some other cool things that come along with that if you do the bigger integration. Like, for instance, I have, you know, Microsoft includes something called bookings. Someone can book a meeting with you, and it sets up the WebEx or the Teams meeting, puts it in your calendar, puts it in their calendar, does everything, and all I have to do is click, and it's set up. Now, I know Zoom does things that are very similar, but because it's tied into Exchange, I can now look at everyone who has to attend that meeting. So I think integrating Teams is a good move. I think it's going to make the, the ecosystem stronger. I think there are a couple little things that are going to take getting used to, like whether or not you need a desktop phone anymore and those types of things, but you're going to have those with any unified communication system. Uh, but the whole idea of it being integrated like it is now, it's just going to be poof, it works. I'm actually pretty happy about this idea and thinking, you know, I don't think about setting up meetings or chats. It's like I chat with the with you guys still and we're in two different instances of teams and we can still chat together. And I think that's going to be the the tipping and leverage point. So I actually think it's it's a good move. It makes more sense to me than them buying PayPal or Skype. Wow. All right, then. Uh, final story here comes to us uh, from AB Network and SCN. We mentioned a few months ago that Questex had purchased the intellectual property of Digital Science Expo, DSC, as well as Live Design International, also known as LDI. This was the result of Expo Nation filing for bankruptcy late in 2020. Now Questex has announced that the DSC will return in 2022. According to the release, Questex, quote unquote, our research shows that the industry strongly desires an event that brings suppliers together with designers and buyers. The event actually has an all-star advisory board uh, with Sony's uh, Rich Ventura, Laura Davis-Taylor from In Reality, Verizon's Stephanie Gutnick, and an old friend of this uh, program uh, and me, uh, Nick Belcour uh, over at Peerless. Todd, I'm going to start with you. Barco, for a number of years, did show at DSC. They had, they didn't the last two or three years of, of the event under Exponation. After a two-year hiatus, which is basically what we're looking at here, right, because the last time they showed was 19, was 2019, nothing in 20, nothing in 21, are manufacturers going to come back uh, after a two-year hiatus to this show? That's a great question, um, and uh, whether – whether they do, and I'm not asking if Barco yeah. is. Don't misunderstand. I don't want you. Yeah, this is not Todd McGill right, right. saying what Barco. Right. Is. No, that's above my pay grade. But, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I I feel like that is an industry. It's such a vibrant industry with some fantastic uh, integrators and fantastic providers in that market. Um, and when you look at the amount of digital signage and the evolution of that, um, certainly there was a day. Tim, you'll recall that you couldn't go to Times Square and shake a stick without hitting a Barco display. But those kinds of, of evolutions to higher resolution, to more impact brand experiential centers and, and the way to do that in whether it's retail or even uh, down to wayfinding, I think that that's such a vibrant 
industry and an industry that is uh, is really ready to go back to get together. There is that sort of collective. Uh, content and educational experience that those trade shows provide. And, and you know, if I offer like kudos to like Avixa and ISC, they did a terrific job during COVID of really trying to offer those educational and informational sessions virtually. And, uh, and I think digital science is an industry that deserves that as well. So I'm excited to see them come back come back strong with a footprint, with a get together, and really try to pull back that granularity and education, those informational systems, and get everyone back talking about that industry, where it's evolving to, and what product sets are needed for that industry. I, I My hope is, Tim, that they will go back in in droves. All right, Bradford, uh, after a two-year hiatus, the, the, the one thing that DSC did in its first or its previous iteration they, they leaned heavily on the education market. A lot of technology managers, a lot of IT managers uh, were the ones who went to that show, obviously designers as well, and, and the folks that were showing. Who does this show that now makes sense for post-pandemic? A hyper-niche show like DSC or a hyper-niche show like LDI. Who does this make for now? Uh, make sense for now? So I think it makes the marketplace is bigger than we think. I don't think it's hyper-niche anymore. Same thing okay. with LDI. I don't think it's hyper niche. It's just thinking that it's not just rock and roll and Broadway. It's, oh, look, look how red my face is, is because I have the color temperature wrong. I'm willing to bet you every video, you know, at home person is going to want that lighting. Uh, and I use that just as an LDI example. For digital signage, think about all the places it's going to be used. I think it's going to be a big boon in retail, and I think we're going to see a lot of interactive kiosks. I also think that uh, that there's going to... And I know it's not quite digital signage, but it's a lot of the same technology. I think there's going to be a lot of network operation centers uh, coming online to be able to support all of these far-flung customers. Uh, I also think that... Saying a show is hyper niche, I understand the point. I, you know, I went to air to airport shows. That's a hyper niche, uh, but still, you had eight or nine, you know, digital signage companies there, and it's all the other places that you don't even realize you're seeing it. Whether it be the McDonald's drive-through, the Hertz Gold Board, the they're starting to put them on buses now. You know, it's every place. So I think what's going to happen is next is going to be a restaurant and retail, and then it's going to go to hospitality, especially for wayfinding and for, you know, suggesting appetizers and, and entertainment at, at restaurants. And then it's going to cycle back to education, and then it's going to cycle back, and it's just going to kind of be this three-year treadmill, because it's a combination of how long the technology takes to advance the spending cycle and just memory turns. I also think 2022 is going to be a banner year for trade shows, no matter what the industry or the niche. You know, Infocom is going to be big. It might not be as big as everyone expects because it's in October and economic challenges. And we can go through all that stuff. But how many of us are going to go to shows beyond what's at the booth? That's the, oh, look, it's five o'clock. We're all going to go down to, you know, half barrel beer project and drink half a barrel. Uh, 
so I think it's it's gonna it's a good move for them to bring it back in the coming year, uh, and I do think it's gonna have a niche. I think that in 2023 it's probably going to be paired with another show, not necessarily Infocom, but something like an edu like a uh, World Mart, which is a which is a restaurant and retail show, yeah. or you know I think it's going to start moving towards that. But I do think it's it has a lot of places to grow that we haven't necessarily thought of. All right, very good. Last, we'll give you the last word on this. Yeah, you know, where where does the, the industry learn about all this stuff? Is it DSD? Is it you know um, the you know it, all of these other places? I mean, when, when we see this, where do we see and experience the latest in digital signage this year? Now, is it is it waiting until twenty two when this show comes back, or is it? You know, Infocom will have something in, in October. Where, where do we see and where do you look for, you know, the latest when you're designing systems? Right. Yeah, I definitely rely on Infocom, Intel. Um, but at the same time, I mean, a lot of these manufacturers will reach out to me um, personally and say, hey, do you and your team want a demo? We, you know, we'll provide whatever, um, you know, technology fits within our scope, of course, and uh, just demo it with you. We'll go over all of the in and outs of it. And um, so that's been, you know, for me, it's been pretty useful because it's almost it's it's a little more intimate. Right. So it's not so much the wow factor of them just oh, we're trying to get everyone's attention. Right. It's more detailed yep. and you can kind of like cater it to what specifically what project you're working on and what your client needs are. So I think that's pretty important. And I do rely on that um, as well as Infocom. Um, I've not been to DSE, but I am very curious to see what that's like, especially because, you know, going back to the question of, you know, who are who is the audience? I think when it comes to the corporate and educational industry, specifically corporate, actually, most of the time when we're specifying digital signage and we're coordinating uh, digital signage with the team, it's more of it's not so much the AV, you know, team that they have on board it's more of um, or internally I mean um, within their company but it's more of working with their branding team it's more architecturally driven so you know with that being said you know the architects and the branding team they, they don't really know as much as as much about technology as you know the AV consultant or even their own internal AV management team so it's important for them I think to to kind of have a place, um, you know, if they don't have an AV consultant, for example, because, you know, I'm good, that's my job to do. But <laughs> nope. but they have a place to kind of go, right? I mean, if they do want to learn about the um, extent of the technologies that are offered, I think that's a great place that they can, you know, go to maybe just one session, maybe two sessions. You never know. But I think it's very useful to them as well. Very good. I will point out before we uh, wrap up here, uh, New York Digital Signage Week is returning. Uh, that is uh, one of our, our events that we typically go to. We are not this year just because October is crazy. But uh, Adrian uh, Cottrell and the folks at Daily Do will be uh, hitting New York along with a number of folks uh, that is happening the week of October 11th, October 11th through the 15th. I'll have Mitchell put a link up uh, for that. So thank you all so much. Uh, Gladys, I'll have give you, let you uh, start with this. Gladys uh, Marroquin from Newcomb and Boyd. How do people connect with you or, uh, or Newcomb and Boyd? Sure. We uh, have a LinkedIn. Uh, you can just find us there. Just look up Newcomb and Boyd real quick. We'll pop up um, as well as myself, Gladys Marroquin. Um, I'm sure you'll have my full name written out, I guess. <laughs> it's a little M bit. Mitchell will. I don't. I don't. They, they don't <laughs> let me spell. They just don't. Yeah. Feel he free has to people for that now. 
Todd, you're, you're going last now from that, that remark. Uh, Todd McCandless uh, from Barcode, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been great to be here, Tim. Uh, how do people connect with you, Barco, but also Todd has a, a podcast that has nothing to do with AV, but if you're if you're interested in Formula One racing, you need to listen to him. So here's how you get that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly Barco.com. You can get a hold of me there and uh, Todd McCandless uh, at Barco.com for sure is the email address. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. And then, yes, thank you very much for my shameless hobby plug. But uh, yeah, I started a, a blog on Formula One racing back in 2005, so 16 years ago. And uh, well over 800 podcasts later, uh, it's at theparkforme.com. So uh, we're like, uh, uh, we've done millions and millions of downloads, uh, 80, 100,000 downloads a month of our podcast. It's a global, but it is all done right here in St. Louis, Missouri. So uh, check out theparkforme.com. All right, very good. All right, uh, Mr. Ben, thank you, sir. Uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, how do people connect with you or the Advisist? Uh, Advisist.com is my latest uh, company. Uh, definitely can find me there. You can find me on LinkedIn at Bradford Ben. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters. Typically, I'm trolling Tim, even though football season hasn't started yet. But certain things, you know, stay true. Also, to follow up on something that Gladys said, uh, with needing younger people, I want to remind people that the Avixa scholarships, including the ones put forth by the Women's Council, they've extended the application date till July 31st. Uh, I have a link on my LinkedIn page. I know a whole bunch of other people do as well. But as we're trying to grow the companies and the industry, this is a great opportunity. Uh, and don't forget about the Avixa mentoring program as well. It's been a, a success, I think. But uh, yeah, you can pretty much find me there causing problems. Uh, and I think that's about it. But now I'm not Tim's boss anymore. So I don't even have people to do this for. Well, do this true. stuff for me anymore. I have to do it myself. Sorry. You can make Jennifer do it, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you how that turns out. All right. Uh, Bradford's right for me. Don't follow me on the Twitters because that's all he does. He trolls me, and, and football season hasn't started yet. Uh, but, hey, you know what? If you're in Tampa or you're a Tampa uh, Bolt um, uh, fan, congratulations to them for winning the, uh, the Stanley Cup. Uh, by the time you hear this broadcast, the St. Louis Blues will have no players left because they're just they're letting everybody go. But hey, you know, whatever. Um, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, we have two weeklies. This is one of them that you're listening to right now. Post every Monday. Uh, covers the commercial side. The residential side is our buddy Matt Scott. Uh, he covers that side. Um, we will be heading to um, uh, Cedia uh, September 1st through the 3rd. Uh, and then to on to Infocom and then a couple other things probably before the end of the year before we all hit uh, something in ISC. And I'm assuming it's still Barcelona, at least the last time that I checked um, ISC's website. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.